You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Have you ever experienced something that completely changed your life? I'm talking, your life was going one way, something happened, and then your life just went in a completely different direction. Everything changed in a moment. We were nobodies. Hey, speak for yourself. We were nobodies. Yeah, okay. But then everything changed. We were making our normal nightly rounds, making sure our sheep didn't wander off again. And then all of a sudden, the skies just opened up, and there was light everywhere, like it was the middle of the afternoon. And then angels were singing. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Most beautiful thing? You screamed like a little kid and you tried to hide. It took Dad like 20 minutes to calm you down. Even, even the angel had to tell you not to be afraid. I don't typically spend my time talking to angels, okay? One minute I'm chasing down a lost sheep and the next angels are singing to me. It caught me off guard, okay? Oh, okay. But after I calmed down, it was beautiful. Just one angel at first. Then it was thousands of them. And they started singing and it was so... Yeah, 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 they were singing, but tell them what the angel said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The angel said that our Savior had been born. The one that our parents had always told us would come. But we never thought it would actually happen, much less that they would tell us about it. Angels talking to shepherds. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they got lost and ended up in our field somehow. Got lost? Come on, man, they're angels. They don't get lost. Okay, well... What if, what if they went to other people first and those people were asleep already? Maybe. They did seem pretty confident they are in the right place. Well, it still doesn't make any sense. Why would they tell us? You're right. We're outsiders. And then, just like that, they were gone. So we did what they told us to do. And when we got there, it was just as the angel had said. There he was, our promised Messiah, lying in a manger. Not the commander of an army. Not a king with trumpets. No. He was just a baby. In a dirty stable, lying in a feeding trough. Hey, maybe, maybe that's why we were the first to know. He looked like us. You're right. He looked like all of us. For the first time, we belonged. And because of him, so do you. Have you ever experienced something in your life or been a part of something in your life that you were so excited about it that it was just so overwhelming that you had to tell someone about it? Maybe it was, maybe it was the birth of a child or for those of you out there, even better, birth of a grandchild, right? To all the grandparents, 
My dad always told me, he said, if I could figure out how to have grandkids before I did kids, I'd have done it. If I could have bypassed the system, I would have done it. Maybe it's the place you visited. Maybe it's the Grand Canyon or you visited Paris for the first time. Or maybe it's something of a shared experience, like your sports team did something that they had never done before and you just can't wait to tell it to someone, right? In 1983, in February, an event happened in the United States that everyone was talking about, that literally 54% of the United States population participated in. In February of 1983, there was a series, a TV series called MASH. If you know nothing about it, the series was about um, a mobile hospital unit, uh, army hospital unit in the Korean War. It, the, the series ran for 11 years. That's longer than the war was, but the series ran for 11 years. And at the very end of it, they had this grand finale, this series finale, and it was two and a half hours long. Now, I don't mean to sound archaic, but these are the days prior to streaming, okay? These are the days prior to on-demand. These are really the days, actually, even though video VHS recording existed, most people couldn't afford it at that time. The affordability had not come down yet. So if you wanted to participate, if you wanted to watch it, you had to tune in at the exact time that everyone else was watching it. So it was the shared experience. 121 million Americans tuned in for that show. As a matter of fact, like I said, it's 54% of the population back then. That would be the equivalent today of over 180 million people tuning into something. As a matter of fact, it was bigger than the Super Bowl, bigger than the Olympics. It was bigger than all of the other stuff that was going on. Until 2010, no other program had ever been viewed at much at the same time, except in 2010, the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, obviously, that many years later, had many more people in the population of the United States. It was so tuned into, so talked about, that everyone stayed glued to the very end. In New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago, as soon, within five minutes of the show being over, they reported loss in water pressure because everybody was holding it and went to the bathroom at the same time and flushed the toilets at the same time. I'm not making this up. It was crazy. And the next few days, that's all anybody was talking about was that shared experience. They, they were participating and they had to share it with someone. If you've had a shared experience that has been meaningful in your life, you know what it's like, but you just can't hold that in. You've got to tell somebody about it. The shepherds. The shepherds experienced this holy moment with God, and they could not contain themselves. They had to share it with the world. As a matter of fact, our text comes from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, all the way to verse 18. It says, That night there were shepherds, staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sun. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. 
And there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. As we continue the series in holy moments today, I want to talk to you about these shepherds. When it is time to be bold. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have of being able to be in a worship service where we can worship together freely. We can worship with our children leading us. We can worship you in spirit and truth. We can pray to you and you hear us. And we can read your word and allow your word to read into us. Holy Spirit, illuminate any areas that need to be exposed to the Word of God. Illuminate any areas that need to change by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know what the words you've given me to say as they go forth. I know in our ears to hear them and our hearts to receive them so that you may accomplish your perfect will. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I will never forget a moment. Over 20 years ago, I was pastoring my first church. And one of my members came to me and said, I have a relative in the hospital, and I'd like to know if you would go and visit them. I said, sure, I'll go visit them. I'm over at the hospital a lot. And they said, but you need to understand something. He is a very hard, cantankerous, he just, he's very, very difficult. But he's in the hospital. He's not doing well. He's not on, there's not danger right now. We don't think of anything happening quickly, death or anything imminent. Would you go pray for him to be healed? And would you share Jesus with him? I said, sure, I'll go. So I arrived there. I walked in. I introduced myself. And um, they vastly undersold <laughs> his resistance to anything religious. When I walked in and said my name and I was a pastor, he said, oh, Great. And I thought, this is starting off swimmingly. This is great. And he looked at me, and he said, you got three minutes. And all of a sudden, I was intimidated by the moment. I hesitated. And I thought, okay, this one's not going to happen in a three-minute span. I'll establish a little rapport. I'll come back in a couple of days. I'll share Jesus with him. That's what I told myself. But in reality, I hesitated because I was intimidated by the moment and by that man and his resistance. I spent uh, just a couple of minutes, prayed with him about his physical health, and then I left. Made plans to come back two days later. Then I got a phone call the next day, and he unexpectedly passed away that previous night. And I missed my moment. And all I could think of was, maybe God in his grace made up for my cowardice by sending someone into that room. I don't know. But I know that God gave me a moment, a holy moment, that he asked me to step into and just simply tell the man about Jesus. And I hesitated because I was intimidated. The reality is, every one of us has opportunities to share Jesus. 
And God opens those doors all the time. What do you do with those moments? It's important when God gives you those moments to step into those moments. Because you never know how God might use one moment of boldness to change someone's life. You don't know that. You don't know how God is going to use you in that moment. The shepherds, I have to be honest with you, this makes no sense. You read the, we read the passage today and we think, oh, oh of course God's going to do that with shepherds, right? Because we see the nativity scenes. They're all cute. And they're usually children, so we think all the shepherds are cute, right? Have you ever seen shepherds? If you are one, I'm sorry. That's... <laughs> but if you've traveled, these, these shepherds, these Bedouin societies, nomadic groups, they are rough and they are difficult. Naturally, they have to be. They were not considered the people that God would share this story with. Think about this. Angels come down. They declare a prophetic declaration that everything you have searched for in the Old Testament has come right here, right now. There's a baby, there's a child, and they don't do it to kings and prophets. They do it to shepherds. 400 years prior to this, in the book of Malachi, at the end of the Old Testament, it tells us that God is coming and he's going to change the hearts of people. He's going to change hearts of stone into, into literally hearts of flesh. He's going to take the hearts of fathers and turn them toward children, the hearts of children and turn them toward fathers. It was literally talking about he's going to change the very dynamic of your heart. And then he goes silent for 400 years. There's nothing written. There's no recording of any prophetic utterances, just silence. In those 400 years, Alexander the Great will rise to power and will fall as well. The Roman Empire will come into being. The Jews will break away from the dominion of others for about 100 years. They'll rule themselves in what is called the Hasmonean period, in the Maccabean revolt. All of this is happening in the 400 years. So God decides to finally open his voice again, and angels appear. The only other time we see them appearing is to Mary, to Joseph, and to Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth. That's it. And those make sense. I mean, the mom and the earthly father of Jesus, the mom and dad of John the Baptist, and then shepherds. He appears to shepherds. Why doesn't that make sense? Because they're not what you think they were in nativity scenes. They were considered to be so untrustworthy, they weren't even allowed to do certain things. Do you know they were not allowed to testify in court? Because their testimony was considered so untrustworthy? Do you know that they rarely sold property? You know why? Because people thought the property was stolen. If they sold property, people would be like, nah, I think that's kind of hot. We're not going to go with that. This is their reputation. They were considered too unclean to be able to enter into the temple to worship. They were considered to be social outcasts, the bottom rung of society, with tax collectors, dung sweepers, 
prostitutes. These were the type of people where families would see them and say, we're going to walk on the other side of the street. And this is who God chooses to send angels to declare the Christ child is born, not far from where you are. The uneducated, the uncouth, the unremarkable, the unpolished shepherds. And what do the shepherds do? They immediately say, let's go to Bethlehem. Here's what it says in verse 16 again. It says, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. They hurried. It was like, we don't deserve this visitation, but since God has visited us, we're going to hurry and do what God has told us. There is an urgency to them. They said, if God has told us this, we have to go. We have to go and see this. The Bible says that they also go away with an urgency to tell everyone about it. In verse 17, it says, after seeing the baby, the shepherds told everyone what, they had, hap- what had happened and what the angel had told them about this child. They told everyone. They didn't hesitate. They didn't think it through. They didn't come up with a, a strategy. They didn't come up with the Roman road to salvation. They didn't do any of that. They didn't try to take a course. They just said, we have to tell everyone that God has sent his son to this earth and fulfilled his promise. Why is it that we lack the spiritual urgency in our time when the second coming of Jesus is so close to happening? Why do we lack boldness sometimes? Because if we're honest, Most of us are bold about something, right? You're bold about the things you like. You're bold about the things you don't like. I promise you, have a conversation. Anyone that has conversations with you for more than a day will know what you're bold about. They know what you're passionate about. We're bold. We're bold about the places that we visit, the foods that we like, the people that we like, the sports teams that we like, the politics that we like, right? And we're also bold about the ones that we don't like, right? We're bold about things, but there is a spiritual urgency that literally needs to be in me and in you because the shepherds told the story that Jesus has come. Our story is that not only has Jesus come, but he's coming again. And the Bible says that people, when they heard this story, were astonished. They were astonished at it. What do you do when God offers you an opportunity to share your faith with someone else? When he opens that door, what do you do? Do you hesitate? Do you get intimidated? Do you walk away? Or do you step into the moment? Their message was very simple. It was urgent. It was right here, right now. God fulfilled everything that he promised in the Old Testament. The virgin has now given birth to a child, and he's the savior of the world. God loved us enough that he sent his only son to live a life we couldn't live, to pay a price we couldn't pay, to give us a life we don't deserve, and an eternity with him. They said, this is unbelievable news. Everyone needs to hear this. And I guess my question to us is, Why are we so lethargic about it? This was such good news. Such good news to them because God shared it with shepherds. Think about this. God reached down so we could be lifted up. 
God took our sin so we could take his righteousness. God came into poverty so that we could experience his spiritual riches. And he did it with shepherds. He used the most unlikely people in order to spread the good news. He didn't announce it to palaces or royalty. He announced it to shepherds. And the reason he announced it to shepherds was so that everyone would know that no one is too far to get past God's reach, that no one is too low for God's love, and that no sin is too great for God's grace. Why did God choose lowly shepherds on a hillside in a tiny Judean village? Because God often chooses the unlikely to do the extraordinary. And there are people in this room right now, people watching online, listening to my voice, whom you will say right now, if I was them, I would do it. But I'm not them. I don't have what it takes. God often chooses the unlikely to do the extraordinary. And that means you. If you're a follower and a disciple of Jesus, that's you. Think about this for a moment. When this happens, two people know about the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph. The wise men, the magi, will find out later. that That's two years later. God speaks to shepherds who come and they don't look at their own qualifications, but they go out and share this wonderful news. And because of their boldness, and they didn't hesitate, we now know this story. In a few moments, I'll invite you to pray over your friends, your family, that what we sang about, that wonderful counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, is now with us. But some of you may need to apply this personally in your life. That they declared a Savior is here. Some of you need to declare that right now in your own life. You need to look at the brokenness in your life and declare a Savior is here. You need to speak to your anxiety and your worry and your fear and your depression and say a Savior is here. You need to speak to your finances and say a Savior is here. Speak to the physical health in your body and say a Savior is here. There's not magic in your words, but it is a receptivity in your heart that a Savior has come to change everything about your life. But God also will open doors in your life to people whom he has assigned to you, as he did to me, to share his love, his grace, his story. Is that your boss? Is that your coworker? Is that your friends, your family? Who is it? Even the person that you think in your head, they are so far from God, they are never going to accept Jesus. I won't even focus on them. Can I just tell you something? Don't you dare give up on them. Because God didn't give up on you. And the responsibility of their response is not on you. Yours is just to share what God has done in your life and for the world. What would happen if you hesitate? If you do nothing? Nothing. But you'll always wonder, 
what will happen? What would happen if you were bold? What would happen if you boldly step into the moment that God opens the door and share Jesus with someone? Lives would change, spiritually and even physically speaking. Blind eyes could open. Deaf ears could hear. The dead be raised to life. All in moments of obedience. You have no idea what God can do through one moment of boldness. But I can promise you this. God is going to give you multiple opportunities this week because he does every week. Our eyes just aren't opened and our ears are not attuned. Jesus told his disciples who were talking about, Lord, how do we do all these things? And he goes, he said, would you please just look up? Open up your eyes. The fields are white. They are ripe unto harvest. What he's saying is this. It is right there. They were among people they didn't like at that moment in time. And Jesus said, I don't ask you to qualify them. Open your eyes and see that the harvest field is right there. I promise you this week, in your interactions, God is going to open multiple opportunities. And the question is, what do you do when he opens the door? Would you be bold enough to step in and entrust God with the results? Because I can tell you this, if you hesitate, if you're intimidated, if you walk away, Nothing will happen. But what would happen if you were bold enough to believe that I will share and I'll trust God with the results? I accepted Christ, played games with him a lot growing up. I accepted him in January of 1991. Changed my life. Before I was ever in ministry, I was in the business world. And I was burdened. I was burdened for my own grandfather. My dad is a pastor, but his dad was a very difficult, hard man. Not unkind, just hardened. Grew up in a depression. Experienced so much difficulty. Fought in World War II. Two Purple Hearts. Wounded so badly, he was... They thought him to be dead. They notified my grandmother, who was his fiance, and his parents that he was dead. They thought he was dead for two or three weeks. Saw his best friend decapitated by a mortar round standing next to him. We call it PTSD now. They called it shell shock back then. The only way he knew how to cope was 40 years of being a closet alcoholic. Finally, because he was forced to, he broke free of that addiction. But he refused to listen to anything about Jesus. He didn't want to hear it. Don't bring that religious stuff in my house. I was burdened for him. And yet I was still intimidated by my grandfather. I lived in South Georgia. And instead of driving back to see him face to face, decided I'd write him a letter. Wasn't even a good letter. Wasn't even theologically based and all, you know, laying out all the scriptures and everything. I just simply said this. I think you know who Jesus is and what God has done. And I'm not going to badger you with this. But you know 
that there's going to be a place in eternity you spend, either heaven or hell. And I can't bear the thought of you not being in heaven with me. And I'm asking you to consider accepting Jesus as Lord of your life. I won't badger you with it. I won't talk to you about it when I come see you. But I had to share this. I couldn't in good conscience not share it with you. I wish I could tell you that story was that granddad called me immediately and said, I've been waiting for years for somebody to say that to me. I wish that was the story. It didn't. It ticked him off. My grandmother told my dad, she said, well, Kirk sent a letter. He said he did, and she told him about the letter, and he goes, well, how'd that go? He said, well, he cussed Kirk for a little while on the way out, went out to his shop, threw some stuff around, kicked some tires, spent some time out there. He came back into the house, and she said, you okay? He said, yeah, I'm all right. She said, you still mad at him? He said, no, I'm not mad at him. He said, well, he said, I guess at least I know he cares. That was it. That was it. It wasn't my responsibility of what his reaction was going to be. My responsibility was when God laid it on my heart to simply share. I wasn't the one to lead him to Christ, but I was part of the process that shared faith. Twelve years later, after two or three years of battling dementia, with really no, hardly no lucid moments, he's in the hospital about three weeks before he passed. And he came to this 45-minute window of lucidity. where he, could, he knew who he was. He knew where everything was. He knew everything about. He could comprehend. Had all his memories. It just so happened that my dad was in the room with him at that moment. And dad got to talk to him about Jesus. And he got the privilege of leading his own father who after 80-something years of life in a 45-minute window of grace finally yielded his life and bowed the knee of his heart to the lordship of Jesus. I need you to hear me. You were worried sometimes about what people are going to say or how they're going to respond or whether you feel like a failure. It is not up to you whether they accept Jesus. It's only up to you. If he opens the door of opportunity, will you be bold enough to walk in and just simply tell them about what God has done for all of us, but what God has done for you and let God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do what only God can do. That's all he asks. And I'm praying that God gives us a holy boldness. Listen, folks, it's Christmas. This is the easiest season. This is low-hanging fruit here. I mean, if you can't do anything else, just say, we got a Christmas Eve service. That dude on the stage is going to say something. Come on with me. Seriously. What's going to happen if you do nothing? Nothing. What could happen if you were bold? Their life could be changed. Their eternity could be changed. And if you say, 
what if I ruined the relationship? Can I just tell you something? If telling them about Jesus ruined the relationship, you didn't have much of a relationship to start with. What do you have to fear? Over 20 years ago, I hesitated and I was intimidated. That will not happen today. Some of you in this room, you walked in here and you knew things weren't right between you and the Lord. You're watching online and you know things aren't right between you and the Lord. This is the day that the Holy Spirit is convincing and drawing you. And the only question is, what do you do with the truth of God's love through Jesus Christ that he has given you the opportunity? He will give you forgiveness of sins, but it requires you to yield your life to his lordship. But today can be that day for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes in this room? Everyone in the room. I'm going to invite you, if that's you, just pray a simple prayer like this in your heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have chosen to come to this earth. You chose from the very foundation of the world. The Bible says that you were the Lamb of God. You were the sacrifice. Thank you that you were willing to be my sacrifice. Thank you that you were willing to be the hope that I need. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. But more than that, I ask you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I will live by your word through your holy scriptures, the Bible. And I will live by the direction of your Holy Spirit. And I will never be the same. I'm going to ask everyone in this room just to pray this prayer of profession with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. One more time. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, no one but the ministry team and me looking around. If that's you, you know when you came in this place today, things weren't right between you and the Lord. You've making a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'm not here to embarrass you or call you out. I want to pray for you this week, but I want you to be bold and say, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. Would you raise your hand really high while no one else is looking around? God bless you. Keep it up just a moment, please. Yep. God bless you. Amen. Keep them up. Yep. Yep. You're not alone. Not alone. All right. You can put them down. Father, we thank you now for lives that have been changed, for hope that has been restored hearts that are being healed by the power of your grace. God, thank you that you are enlarging your kingdom today through your people and through their response. God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to just begin to send waves of peace and grace into their heart where there existed shame and where there existed sorrow. God, I pray that that shame be lifted off of them now in the name of Jesus and that peace settle in and grace settle in right now and that joy would settle in their hearts. God, this week, as you open doors of opportunity, I pray that we'd be bold enough to walk through and declare the wonderful things you have done for each of us and for all of us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask that in his name. Believe it in faith. Amen and amen. Hey, you should have received one of these cards when you came in. Would you take this card out, please? If you did not, hey, raise your hand. If you don't have one of these cards, somebody will get those to you real quick, all right? Here's what I want you to do. On the side with writing on it, it says, God, help me to be bold when I, and you can fill in the blank. What's a, what's a time where God helped you to be bold in a decision you had to make, maybe in sharing your faith with someone? That's a testimony for you. What's a time when God helped you to be bold? And then after you do that, I would like for you to turn that card over where it's blank. And I want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, this is a person this week I'm going to share Jesus with. Who's that person? Don't write your name on it. Don't write your name. Write that person's name. Write their name on it. And say, God, if you'll open the door this week, I'm going to share 
the love of Christ with this person. Take a moment, write those two things down. I want you to take those cards, hold them in your hand, and just say these words with me. Just say, dear God, they belong to you. They matter to me. If you'll open the door of opportunity, I will share Jesus with them. I'll tell them what you've done for me. I'll tell them what you've done for us. Or I'll invite them to church. But I will not be content to allow them to not hear the truth of God's love for us. I commit their lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen. When you leave today, what I'd like for you to do is to take those cards. On the way out, there are some folks that have some canisters. You can put those in. And we're going to have people praying over them this week, those names. We're going to be praying over those names. As God opens that door of opportunity, he's going to give you the boldness and the words to say that. And when we believe next week, we're going to celebrate what God is going to do. Speaking of that, can you celebrate with me today? 19 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ in this place. Come on. Amen. Amen. Listen, if that's you, you made a decision today or in the last few weeks, we'd love to help you get started on this walk with Jesus. Some of our grow team will be down front. Love to take a couple of minutes of your time. If not, you can also go to our connection point out in the atrium. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of that, um, if you'd like more information about getting plugged in here at Mount Perry North, discovering like your spiritual gifts and your passions uh, or a group you might want to be involved in as the new year gets started, there's a card in the seat back in front of you, a connect card. Grab that, fill it out, take it to our connection point. We would love to help you get started in that as well. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Listen, next Sunday's Christmas Eve, and we'll have 945 and 1115 Christmas candlelight services here. Also, if you are traveling, I'm just, I'm going to tell everybody next week, but if you're traveling this week and you're going to be out of town next week, I pray you have the merriest Christmas of your life. I pray that God just pours out his love and his grace upon you. And I hope you know how much your Mount Perrin North family loves you. Hope you have a great week and I hope to see you next week. Allow me the privilege before you go to bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. 
If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.